Welcome to the podcast of Bethel Mennonite Church in Gladys, Virginia. Today's message was originally preached February 19th, 2012 by Dan Freed, and it is entitled, Jesus Will Return, How to Be Ready in 2012. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. He's the one that said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I'm so glad he's promised that. He's coming back. That's a a thought that I first started thinking about maybe 40 years ago when I was six or seven or eight years old. That was in the early 1970s, and there was a lot of fear then. I don't know if there was more fear then than there is now, but the Cold War was on. You children maybe don't remember hearing about the Cold War, but those of us that are my age and older know the Cold War was this chilly relationship that was between the communist world and the non-communist world, and there was tremendous fear here in the United States, and I think... Uh, in the non-communist world, that the communists would come and take over. And uh, probably my fears and my thoughts were this were heightened because one of our neighbors, the Foltzes, spent a very scary night in their basement. Someone called them and said, hey, we want you to know that the communists have taken over. Go to your basement and hide. So they went down the basement. They were a Bible-believing uh, Wesleyan holiness family. And they believed the Lord was coming back, and they believed what the Bible said about judgment. So they spent a number of hours that night in the basement praying and, and being scared. And, and somebody just played a cruel joke on them by calling like that. But <clears throat> there is a lot of trouble in the world. There was then. There is now. There's a lot of fear. But Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. I can take care of these changes that are ahead of you that you don't know about, but I know. So God will take care of Sister Mary next week as she moves. God will take care of my Aunt Doris, who is lying at the point of death in Pennsylvania. My uncle called this morning and said she's very low. But uh, things, are, things are bright for her because she's trusted in Christ. And so she may not die because Jesus may come today. He may come before she has the chance to die. We don't know. I'd like for us to look at Matthew 24 and 25, where Jesus gives us some wonderful teaching about how he is coming back again. So this subject of the Lord's return, it's uh, been a really hot topic, not just in our lifetime, but through the centuries past. Jesus promised he would come back, and uh, Christians have been interested in it. I guess the one question I have is, should we be interested in the subject? Yes, we should be. <clears throat> he spent a lot of time instructing us about the subject. When is he coming? What should we do to be ready? And where are we going to get our information on this subject? Because there's a lot of information out there on this subject. So I want to encourage myself and encourage each of us to get our information at the right place. 
from the Bible, from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Listen to Jesus. And to beware of false information. And to be doing what we're supposed to be doing uh, in being ready. Now, I don't know that Jesus ever said, get ready. He said, be ready. But before we can be ready, we have to get ready. So if you're here today and you've you aren't ready for the Lord's return, then you need to get ready so that you can be ready. And to get ready, we've already heard in the songs, we need to come to the point of knowing that we are a sinner and we cannot save ourselves. I just really appreciated all the songs this morning. Uh, the, the second last one we sang was, Thy work alone, my Savior. It's the work that Jesus did on the cross, dying for our sins, that will save us. And so if we're not ready, we need to get ready so we can be ready when the Lord comes. So we can be ready by being uh, informed, by being wise <clears throat> about what's going on. And I, I read Matthew 24, and there's a lot of different uh, things in this chapter. And the, the one thing that really stuck out to me was being wise about the Lord's return. And then chapter 25 there's some parables there, the parable of uh, watching and being ready. There were ten virgins waiting for the, they were like bridesmaids, I think, at the, uh, this wedding parable, Matthew 25, where Jesus basically said, watch, we be ready by watching. Even when they were sleeping, they were watching, because all ten of them were asleep. But five of them were watching while they slept. Spiritually, they were ready, even though physically they were sleeping. And then the last uh, two paragraphs, the, para the last two parables in chapter 25, uh, there's a parable of the talents uh, where Jesus, I think, is saying, be working. Don't just sit looking at the clouds, although it's inspirational to look at the clouds because Jesus said, as you saw me go, or the angel said, as you saw Jesus go through the clouds, he's going to come back. He's going to come through the clouds. There's a number of scriptures that say that. It's an inspirational look at the clouds, but we need to also be working. And I think this parable of the talents is telling us as we're waiting for Christ's return, we're to be busy. So we be ready for Christ's return by being working for him. So be wise be watching and be working. That's kind of the three uh, lessons that I get out of these two chapters. <clears throat> Let's start with uh, Matthew 24. First of all, we have the setting. The setting is two days before Jesus was on trial. And how do we know that? By going to 27, sometimes the the gospel writers say exactly when it was. If you look, if you flip in your Bible to um, chapter, I'm sorry, not 27, 26. Matthew 26, it says, Jesus finished this sayings and it was two days before the Passover and his trial. So he is giving this teaching in 24 and 25 just before he left. And he knew he was going to leave. He told him, I'm going to be crucified here just in the end of the week or in the middle of the week, <clears throat> as time goes along. So I want you to know this. He also gave this in answer to the questions 
uh, three questions or two questions, depending how you break it down. The disciples and Jesus were leaving the temple and they said, look at this beautiful building. And it was beautiful. It wasn't Solomon's temple, but it was the, one of the, I guess, temples that were rebuilt later, maybe the one that Nehemiah and Ezra rebuilt. And it was beautiful and it was strong. It was built of stone. And Jesus said, yeah, it is beautiful, but all these stones are going to be tore apart. This temple's going to be leveled to the ground. And they said, really? When's this going to happen? That was their first question. And then, because Jesus had been talking different times in his ministry about uh, judgment, heaven and hell, uh, they had some other questions too. So he said, or they said to Jesus in verse 3, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And so then Jesus answers these questions in Matthew 24 and 25. And sometimes I think uh, people have gotten misled maybe because they take these, these uh, questions and they try to fit all the different verses into one question or the other. And uh, certainly there are some verses in these chapters that seem to fit, that very clearly fit with the destruction of Jerusalem when this temple, as I understand history in A.D. 70, uh, the temple was burned and the rocks were tore apart and it was, it was raised down to the ground. It was, it was a terrible time in Jewish history. Uh, the Roman Empire was... Uh, uh, I forget which emperor it was, but the general was Titus, his name was, and it was a terrible time of suffering. Uh, and then also when at the end of, of the world, there's some very clear things in these ch chapters that haven't ha happened, like the sun will be darkened, the uh, moon won't give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven. Well, that hasn't happened because we know even though there's snow falling out here and there's a lot of cloud cover, we still have light. The sun is still coming through. So there's some things in chapter 24 and 25 that have not yet happened. There's some things like the destruction of the temple that have. And there's a lot of other things that people, I think, have gotten confused arguing about. And I don't want to add to any of that confusion. I want to... Uh, have us uh, I won't emphasize these three points here. First, be wise. And I get that from Jesus' very first words when they got done answering the question. How's he going to answer? Well, listen to his first words. He's saying, be wise. Don't be deceived. Matthew 24, verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and the disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places or various places. 
All these are the beginning of sorrows. And they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for Jesus' teaching here in Matthew 24 and 25. I pray that each of us could be encouraged to be ready for the return of Jesus. We know it's sooner than it ever has been. We're closer than we've ever been. We just pray that we each could be ready. And if anyone here is not saved, they've never taken that step of faith, I pray that today would be the day that they would be ready by trusting in Christ, what he did on the cross. And I pray for any Christian and every Christian here, for all of us, that we could be encouraged to follow you more closely as we see the day approaching. In Jesus' name, amen. So where are we going to get our information on this subject if we're going to be wise? Well, we need to get it from Jesus. And so of all the things you're going to study about the end times and the Lord's return, study your Bible. In fact, I think we can be uh, warned by what Jesus says here in verse 4. Take heed that no man deceive you. You know, if you forget everything else, Jesus said, make sure you're not deceived by men. Now, who all's included in this thing of men or humans? That include Mennonites, Baptists, Pentecostals? It does. In fact, I, I knew there was a lot of predictions that have been made of dates, <clears throat> but I didn't realize there's been hundreds, maybe thousands of dates that have been set by various people through the years. And it, it's, uh, it was astonishing when I started looking at it, because I remember well as a scared child in the 70s, people saying, well, certainly not going to see the next century. 20th century is the last one. The Lord's going to come here in the 1970s or maybe 80s at the latest. I heard people in the Mennonite church where I went talk like that. Well, the signs of the time were very ripe. The Lord could have returned. He didn't, though, and I found in 1 Peter 3 why he didn't come. I was in my 20s, I think, before I really realized, oh, here is why Jesus didn't come. It's there in 1 Peter 3. He could have come in the 1970s. He could have come anywhere along the way because he says, man doesn't know the date. God knows the date. And I believe Jesus probably knows it now that he's in heaven. When he was on earth, he didn't know. He was limited in different ways. But up in heaven, they know. God knows. And we would be wise not to speculate on the dates. We know it is sure. It is coming. We know it is soon. We know it is serious. doesn't need to be scary if we've trusted in Christ. So we need to be wise about the Lord's return. Some of you remember <clears throat> uh, 1988, and there was a Bible um, teacher, sort of an unknown minister, I think from Tennessee or somewhere, that wrote a book. 88 reasons the Lord will come in 88. He was sure of it. We were living in Alabama at the time, and our pastor there read the book, and 
he, he didn't believe you should set dates, but it was a very curious book. Many Christians read it. There was a lot of talk. Well, 1988 wasn't the date that God had set. And as, as sincere as that pastor may have been, uh, he was sincerely wrong. And I would believe he would have been wise not to have written that book and maybe kept his little study of 88 reasons why the Lord should return in 88 to himself. That's what I, I, I believe that would have been wiser. <clears throat> and it's went on and on. There's been different dates. I think Brother Gerald talked about a, a date setting that was last year. Harold Camping, I think, was the fellow's name. He set the date three or four times last year because when it didn't happen, he recalculated, no, it's five months later, it'll happen again. And, and there's all kinds of dates set, not just by Christian people, but uh, there's the Native American, Mayan Indians, supposedly people were studying their calendar. And 2012 is supposedly the year when the world's going to wind up. And so there's uh, Native American people who say, that's not true. And there's others who say, oh, yes, it is true. And there's New Age religions, Eastern religions that are setting dates. Don't be fooled by men, Jesus said. That's the first Thing we should take away from Matthew 24 and 25. Jesus is saying, be wise that I'm coming back, but it's not going to be on a man's schedule. It's going to be on God's schedule. So we need to be wise by listening to Jesus. <clears throat> we need to be wise by not listening to these uh, unbelievers. We need to be wise. I read some verses here about suffering. We need to be wise that we need to expect suffering. And Brother Dalama could tell us about suffering Christians in Nigeria. And other missionaries could tell us about how Christians are suffering around the world in terrible ways. And we've been very isolated here in the United States for over 200 years. We've been very blessed. I don't know all the reasons for the blessing, but I think some of it could be so that we could share and we could help missionaries get the gospel out to the world. So, but we, we need to be wise about this thing of suffering. Jesus said, be prepared that life will not be easy as a Christian. It's the best way to live, but there will be suffering. And trust me, trust my promise that I will come back. <clears throat> There's a lot of doubt out there, and some of this uh, was going on soon after Jesus left. Turn to 2 Peter 3. Keep, keep your finger here maybe in Matthew 24, but flip in your Bibles to 2 Peter 3. It may have been 20 or 30 years after Jesus went back to heaven. I'm not sure of the exact date when Peter was writing here. But there were people saying, and probably people setting dates, and, and scoffers and unbelievers saying, it hasn't happened, it won't happen, don't believe it, God's a liar. Well, in the Sunday school class I was in, Brother Joe read a verse that said, let God be true and every man a liar. And so Peter says in, in 2 Peter 3, that there's going to be scoffers, verse 3, knowing this, that there shall come scoffers in the last days, walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of this coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. 
For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the water that then was being overflowed with water perished. The world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are being kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be wise. Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. In other words, God doesn't move his clock by our schedule. What seems like a long time to us is just a... A second, a blink of an eye. And be sure of this, verse 9, the Lord is not slack. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. Here's the verse I found some years later when I was in my 20s. It was there, but I never realized, oh, that's why he didn't come in 1970s. Or in the 1980s. The Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He has not come back yet because of his great love. He's waiting for more souls to be saved. He may be waiting for someone here to be saved this morning. That's why he hasn't kept his promise yet. He will keep it. It will happen. But he is long-suffering. He is waiting for more people to be saved. What a long-suffering, loving, merciful God we have. He is a God of truth. He will keep his promises. So we must be wise. Jesus said, be wise about my return. And then he says, be watching. There's a number of verses, if you're back in uh, Matthew 24, that talk about watching. And other places, too, Jesus talked about being alert, being awake. Let's look at uh, 24, verse 42. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in which watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. So, Paul picks up on this in Thessalonians and says, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, unexpected. Now, that sounds kind of scary, and it is if we're not ready to meet the Lord. But he goes on, Paul, in Thessalonians by saying, you are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. So we don't have to fear that God's going to trick us somehow and come back and uh, catch us off guard because God loves us. Jesus said, I want you to be with me in heaven. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to come back and receive you to myself. God's more interested in us being saved than we are interested in being saved. And that's an encouraging thought for me. But for those who don't know him, it will be a sad a sad day when they have no more opportunity to repent, no more opportunity to trust in Christ. But those of us who have 
trusted in Christ, Paul says, you are not in darkness, brethren, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So be watching. We be ready by watching for his return. So we should watch always, and maybe that's the uh, lesson of the parable of of, uh, Psalm 25, the ten virgins. There were ten that were wise and ten that were foolish. What was the difference between the wise and the foolish? The wise ones had enough oil in their lamps. And oil can mean different things, but in the Bible, one thing it means is it's a type of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, have your lamps burning and ready. Oil is that fuel, that energy inside the lamp that keeps it it going. And spiritually, the fuel inside of us is the Holy Spirit of Jesus that lives in us. And so we are watching as we are in tune with the Holy Spirit, as we ask for the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit, as we're led by the Spirit, as we quench not the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is how we as Christians can be watching always. The Holy Spirit's there to convict us of sin. And you Christians know what that's like. The Holy Spirit says, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't be thinking that. You shouldn't be going there. The Holy Spirit is God's way of keeping us on track and giving us the power to live the Christian life. Watch always. Someone said, go nowhere that you would not want to be when Jesus returns. Say nothing you would not want to say when Jesus returns. And I think there's a third one too. Go nowhere, say nothing, do nothing that you would not want to be doing when Jesus returns. So watch always. Watch prayerfully. In Mark 13, Jesus said, take ye heed, watch and pray for you know not when the time is. So we're ready for the Lord's return as we're prayed up and we're in an attitude of prayer. We should watch carefully. I don't know if any of you are still in in 2 Peter 3, but Peter goes on to talk about the Lord's return and how we should live a careful life because he's coming back. 2 Peter 3, 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. So we should be concerned about the spots that we have. Some of those spots we don't see very well are blind spots, right? But the people in your family and the people at your work or at your school, they see your blind spots real well. Maybe they see spots that you may not even think are there. But anyway, the Lord has put other Christians around us to help us uh, with our blind spots. We want to be diligent to be found in him without spot at his return. So Peter encourages us to watch carefully. So we're wise about the Lord's return. We're getting our information at the right place, the Bible, Holy Spirit. We're watching prayerfully, carefully. 
and we're to be working. That's the last two parables in 25. <clears throat> the first one is the parable of the talents, where there was a man in verse 14 traveling, and he called his own servants and gave his goods. He gave one five, he gave another two, he gave another one. And the point of the story was that the one that was given five and that was given two did the right thing. They used their talents. They traded. Uh, the word traded has to do with the idea of <clears throat> to toil as in a task or occupation to be engaged in or with. That's what the uh, Strong's Concordance defines this word traded. The last man is probably the strongest lesson for us, the one that was given one talent. Uh, he did not work his talent. He just dug a hole in the ground and buried it. He, he thought it was a safe uh, place. And I don't know how you would make that application in your life. How, how do you bury your talent? How do I bury my talent? I think when we're thinking thoughts like, well, I really can't do it that well, so why try? That would be a thought that would be relating to bury our talent. Or if we say, well, I, I think there's a lot of other people that could do this better than me. I know Brother Leon could preach better on the Lord's return, and he understands this better than me, so maybe I shouldn't even try. That would be burying a talent, wouldn't it? Every Christian has gifts. Paul talks about that in Ephesians and Romans and in Corinthians. Every Christian has gifts. And God wants us to use those gifts for his glory. And Jesus said, use what you've been given. We spend so much time thinking about what we don't have. When Jesus wants us to be thinking about what's in our hand. Moses said, I can't do it, God. I can't go to Pharaoh. I can't talk to him. I can't lead him out. I can't talk. And God said, Moses, what's in your hand? Well, it's just this staff, this shepherd's staff. You can use that, Moses. And God's saying that to us, too. I was very touched in... Uh, my heart one time when a sermon was preached while we were in Alabama, 1989. The pastor preached on the sermon, what is that in thine hand? Because I thought I didn't really have a lot to give. I thought I had a lot of things I needed, things I didn't have. But God touched me with that sermon. And Jesus, I think, with this parable, was trying to get the disciples our attention that we need to work with what we have diligently and not be focused on what we don't have. And that's how we'll be ready when Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, will he catch us working for him? It's a scary thought to be caught doing something you shouldn't be doing when Jesus comes, but it's a good thought to think when Jesus comes back, will he find us working, watching, Praying. That's what he wants to do. And then the last parable, which actually isn't exactly a parable, it's a picture of the judgment, it is a lesson on the sin of omission. 
You know, there's these sins of commission, sins that we do. But this last judgment where there's the separation of the sheep from the goats and the ones that went away into hell were those who didn't do certain things. They didn't care for the needy. They didn't visit the lonely, visit the sick, visit those in prison. They didn't do those things. And so part of what we need to think about in our, our life, our, our works, is not only the bad things we shouldn't be doing, and we need God to help us get away from, but the good things that we should be doing. And those opportunities are right around us. And we can visit by telephone. We can visit in person. We can give an encouraging word. We can meet a need. In fact, Jesus said, even giving a cup of cold water will not lose its reward. So God bless whoever brought this cup of cold water up here. Thank you. Even if you give it to a little child, Mark 10, 42, and whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. So the smallest thing that you do as a mother to your child, you may think, well, whatever talents I have, I can't use right now because I'm so busy with these children. All it takes is a sippy cup, a bottle, a warm blanket, a clean diaper, doing it unto that little child as unto Jesus, and it will be rewarded. We think we have to have many talents and do big things for God to be pleased with us, and Jesus is saying, no, you just do what's in front of you. What I've given you into your life, use it. So let's be working. Let's be working lovingly. Love for God. Love for others. There's actually somewhere in here there was a verse or a parable or Jesus did some teaching about this worker beating up on his other people, the other people. That might have been back in 24 where the evil servant says, my, yes, 2448, that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth is coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants. Is it possible to be so uh, heavenly-minded we're no, of no earthly good? Well, some, some people maybe are so focused on their relationship to God that they're mistreating other people. We need to be loving toward God and loving toward others. So Jesus is saying, work diligently, work lovingly, work compassionately, and then you'll be ready for my return. Reading from Second uh, Peter 3, Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. 
Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye be, may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. So I want to encourage you today, <clears throat> as you live for the Lord, to look up, look forward, and to be wise about the Lord's return, because it will be soon. And to be watching, be alert spiritually, be ready, and be working for Jesus with what he's given you. And uh, one of the last prayers, maybe the very last prayer of the Bible, I was, I was reading and thinking about, this is a good prayer to pray as we think of the Lord's return. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Jesus Will Return, How to Be Ready in 2012, a message by Dan Freed. This podcast is brought to you from the Bethel Mennonite Church in Gladys, Virginia. Find us online at BethelMennoniteOnline.org. Thanks for listening.